Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features senior pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. And now, here's Pastor Eric. It is ever increasing. It is the air in which we breathe. The spirit of skepticism, cynicism, pessimism. It's increasing. It's rising, I believe, even among Christians. Even among God's people. Even among pastors. Sadly, skepticism and and cynicism are actually valued in our culture now. They're actually rewarded in our society. It's taught. It's taught on the universities. It's embraced. It lies in every form of media that we see. News media, written media, social media. It's everywhere around us. I want to preach today about our hope deficit. That's the way I want to begin this series. I feel like that's the way it it was begun in my heart from the Lord. One of the areas of personal weakness that I discovered while on my sabbatical was, back in October, was my tendency, my personal tendency towards skepticism, towards cynicism, right? It's ironic that my daughter is named Hope Grace, and so often... That's not me. I'm not one that runs to hope. I'm one that may run to cynicism and pessimism and skepticism. And so just between me and the Lord in my journal, I was saying, Lord, is is this something that I'm battling? And how do I overcome this? How do I attack what's attacking me? And I think it's attacking our society. I think it's attacking Christians. I've titled this series this, We Have Hope. Because that's what we're going to be preaching. We're going to be talking about our hope. But this morning, our hope deficit. Have you ever had a deficiency? Like maybe you were deficient in calcium or you were deficient in B12. My question is this, are you hope deficient? Are Christians hope deficient? Like a B12 deficiency, a hope deficiency will zap your spiritual energy. It will zap your spiritual vitality. When we go on as Christians living with a hope deficiency, right? It's going to zap all the power. It's going to drain us. We're going to be walking around as miserable Christians and lethargic Christians, right? And this is my natural tendency. It's the air we breathe. It's it's your tendency, right? So we have to remind ourselves of hope. Cynicism and pessimism are actually the opposite of hope. So this morning, I want us to think about two big thoughts I want us to think about, number one, the erosion of hope in our lives. And secondly, I want us to think about the power of hope. Go there with me this morning, the erosion of hope. Let's start there. As I said, I think many Americans are operating from what really is a hope deficit. They are hope deficient. One of the reasons is, I believe, because we are battling the erosion of hope. 
Hope is slowly trying to wash away. You can't wash away the root, right? But you can wash away all the dirt around it. You can't destroy our hope, right? But there is this erosion that's taking place where, where everything around us is trying to pull it, right? There are many, many cultural factors that currently contribute to this erosion of hope that we live in. So today, let's just call the erosion of hope cynicism and pessimism. I'm going to use those words, right, and skepticism, and I'm kind of going to use them all together. So you understand that when I'm saying cynicism, I'm kind of going to be meaning the erosion of hope. Are you cynical? Ask yourself these questions. Do you expect things to go wrong? Do you dwell upon the negative in other people? Do you dwell upon the bad that's in the world? Do you downplay the Spirit's role in something, a situation? Do you downplay the Spirit's power in a situation? If so, you may be cynical. Ask God, search me, know me, Lord. Am I so pessimistic that all I see is the bad that's in the world? Am I so cynical that I can always point out where everybody else is failing and what they need to correct? Do you only see the negative in others? Do you only focus on the bad in the world? Do you, like me, like you expect things to go wrong? You sit there and your mind starts to imagine the worst. This is going to happen. This is, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the worst, right? We're going to go on vacation. The house is going to burn down. Car's going to break, right? Dog's going to die. Are we cynical sometimes in this of like, well, that would have happened anyway. That wasn't the spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit. That would have happened anyway. Why, why pray? What, what difference is that going to make? Right? It's the spirit of, of cynicism. Oh, and I tell you, it dwells in all of us if we're honest. Ask yourself, Lord, am I cynical? Has my hope started to erode? Maybe I haven't even noticed. Maybe it's happened slowly over time. Hebrews 3.12 warns us, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. What a warning. Eric, don't have that sinful, unbelieving heart, that hardened heart that you would fall away from hopeful grace. It is a warning. So let's start with this erosion of hope and talk about what's the danger of cynicism. What are some of the dangers of that cynical person. Cynicism does this. Cynicism doubts. Cynicism distrusts. You know, the world distrusts pastors and Christians now more than ever. Cynicism discounts God's work. It questions God's presence or activity. It critiques. It finds fault. It is judgmental. Cynicism is hypocritical. It erodes joy. It kills hope. And if you're not careful, cynicism will harden your heart. This is where we have to begin. How can I address hope in my life without addressing the, the, the negative area of cynicism? Pessimism. Skepticism. If we're not careful, skepticism can actually be a rejection of revelation. I'm skeptical of that, and God's saying, I'm trying to reveal myself to you, and you're rejecting my revelation. Why are you being skeptical all the time? So let's look at what cynicism is. Some things that I've just, by the Spirit, come up with. Cynicism distrusts. It can distrust people as well as their motives. It can distrust that a situation will turn out well. It's skeptical. It's pessimistic. So 
Cynicism has trust issues. Maybe we all do, right? Now it's actually taught, don't trust, distrust that person's motives, question everything. They're, 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 what's their agenda? Distrust that situation, it's not going to turn out well, right? This is the air we breathe. Cynicism, distrust. Cynicism critiques to a fault. Oh, we're critical, right? That's what cynicism does. Critiques to a fault. It discounts God's involvement. Where is he? He's not here. He's not going to move. That, that won't happen. God's not involved in that. Cynicism actually winds up limiting the Holy Spirit. Limiting the Holy Spirit's power. Cynicism attacks faith, hope, and love. It will. Cynicism disrupts or hinders prayer. So one of the books I've been reading is this, this book on prayer. The power of, like, of, of a praying life. And one of the things that this minister who goes and teaches on prayer, like this is his area, one of the things that he talks about is for me to have a better prayer life, I have to overcome my cynicism. Because if I'm really honest, I'm cynical when it comes to prayer. That's why we don't pray. We distrust that it will actually change anything. We distrust that it's actually a good thing and that, 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 that something will actually go different, right? We, we limit the Holy Spirit's power or role, right? So the, the first thing to say, and why am I not praying, is to say, wait a minute, maybe I have this skeptical, cynical, pessimistic thing where if I'm really honest, I would say, well, God's going to be God. He's going to do what He's going to do. So why pray about that cancer or somebody else? It's going to turn out the way God wants it to turn out anyway. So Lord, I just trust in you and I'm not going to pray about it, right? Oh, whoa, wait, wait. Sounds almost in some way kind of theological and good, right? But cynicism will, it will hinder your prayer. You'll find it hard to pray. You'll, you'll right, you, you, it'll be something where you think, well, God's going to do that anyway, and so what difference does it make? Maybe he won't, maybe he will, maybe he can, but, but maybe he won't, but all of these we could preach on for a long time. Cynicism, cynicism, <laughs> cynicism does this, it, it discounts, excuse me, discourages evangelism and ministry. If you're cynical, that person's not going to come to Christ. You're never going to witness to them. Right? If you don't trust, right? Or, or it says, ah, why do that? It, right? Don't, don't do men. Why serve? What difference is it going to make? That situation's going to go wrong. You're going to get in there with all them kids and they're going to eat you alive. And, right? it, it, it's, it, you won't do ministry. You won't do evangelism. It, it actually will wind up doing this. It will hurt our motivation. It will hurt our passion. I think that's why a lot of people are just, it's, we have a hope deficiency. Everybody's walking around and they're just, not, no motivation and no passion because I really don't believe that any of this stuff makes any sense. Oh, yes, we'll sing about it and we'll come and we'll study it because that's what we do in a you know, moralistic, therapeutic, deistic society. But we really don't know that what we're preaching, if it really will make a, a difference. Well, if we have hope, right, it makes every difference. Like we're going to have energy and vitality and say, yes, yes, I will. Cynicism hinders thankfulness. Not a thankful person if you're walking around judging everybody all the time and finding fault. And how do you how can you thank God? Right? So one of the best ways to build hope is to become thankful, right? Destroys cynicism. Say thank you for that person. Thank you for the good that I see in the world. Or thank you that I don't have to be skeptical of everything. Cynicism will do this. It will erode your joy. Oh gracious. It will diminish hope. So if you find any of these things happening in your society, in your family, in your life, you pray and you ask, maybe, maybe I'm battling something here. Maybe I need to dig deeper and look at cynicism, this hope deficit. Why are we cynical? Why are we cynical? 
The Bible gives us really in Ephesians 2 always three reasons. Three reasons why you're tempted to be cynical. Here they are. Number one, the culture around us. It's the air we breathe. The sinful world, right? The world, the flesh, the devil. The, the world is this culture around us. And it is secularism. Secularism is all around us. And secularism is going to say, be skeptical. Be cynical. Don't trust, right? There, it's, it's this, this worldview, right, that comes in the culture around us. It's making us into hope-deficient people, into cynical people. The second way is the enemy's lies. The devil, his demons. The enemy loves to lie. He never speaks truth. He never speaks hope. He didn't come into the Garden of Eden to Adam and Eve and give them hope and speak a message of hope, did he? He was cynical. That's what the devil does. Oh, he won't surely die. No, you, right? it's, it's what the message of the enemy always is. Pessimism, skepticism, cynicism, not hopeful. So we, we're this way because of the culture. We're this way because of the enemy's lies. And then three, just because of our sinful heart's tendency. Some of us have a tendency in our personality to be more pessimistic. It's half empty. Some of us more optimistic. It's half full, right? But sometimes we have to look at our heart's tendency, right? And it's, 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 it's sinful. That's perhaps why we're so cynical. There are roots of cynicism, sometimes discouragement. You, you get discouraged, you'll become cynical. You get disillusioned. I tried this, I'm disillusioned in, in, in this, you'll become cynical. You have unmet expectations. You're, you're cynical, right? I, I, I wanted this, it didn't happen, so now why, why believe anymore? Why hope anymore? Didn't meet my expectations. I'm disillusioned at this, so I thought this, and then somebody just, I'm discouraged has roots in unmet expectations. It has roots in bitterness. Sometimes it has a root in imbalanced theology. We see all of the prosperity and the, God's everywhere. I prayed for a parking space and God gave me a parking space and I'm healthy and I'm wealthy. And you go, yuck, I'm going to run to the opposite end. I'm going to be cynical of everything. Out of balance, right? Sometimes we just to try to achieve balance, we run in the wrong direction. We have this improper balance of suffering. We've heard a lot about take up your cross and suffer. And Platt taught me a lot, and probably Francis Chan and others. But I'm also thinking, have I viewed the Christian life as too much take up your cross and not enough, hey, there's hope and there's blessing? Because there is. But if I, all I ever run to is the Christian life is just going to be a You've been to be a pastor, you're going to have to suffer, and it's going to be, you know, you're going to take up your cross every day, and it's a hardship, brother. Where, you're going to have hope every day if you preach that all the time? Right? So maybe there's this imbalanced theology that's even taking place. Right? I'm just showing you some of the roots. What are some examples of cynicism? I'm going to get to text, okay? We'll get to Bible. What are some examples? You know what I wrote? This is sad. Um, I wrote this. Just being honest, like, okay, God, here's something honest with, with maybe the way I would express myself. I don't doubt he can. I doubt he will. That was in my journal. God, I don't doubt you can. I just doubt you will. That's cynicism. Lord, I, I know that you're able. I just don't think you're willing. If I'm honest with you, you dare to be that honest? That, that's just it. 
That's a lot of times that's us. God, we know you're all powerful. I don't doubt that you can. I just really doubt that you care and that you're still wanting to do that. I doubt that you're willing, right? That's, that's an example of cynicism. It's, it's, it kills your prayer life, your evangelism, your ministry, your hope, your passion, your motivation. I think a lot of people are walking around that way, though. They think God's able, but He's just not willing. Right? That's like theism. Like, well, God's there, and He's powerful, but he, just, he doesn't interact in my life. You'll be, you'll be cynical. I don't know how you have hope in that. I, I wrote this as I was thinking of, uh, through expectancy. And I, and I wrote this for me. I have too many expectations and not enough expectancy. Do you know the difference? Like we walk around with all these expectations. I expect it to be this way. I expect them to be that way. I expect this to go this way. I expect this. I expect this. I expect this. And where's the expectancy where you just go, God, I, I just want to live with a spirit of anticipation and expectancy of what you have. You walk around with all your expectations and you're cynical. Where the expectancy is, God, I'm going to expect you to move and you to do. Not to meet my expectations. Cynical, right? But the expectancy is, God, I, I'm going to anticipate. you. It, that's a whole different perspective, isn't it? It's an example. What about this one? I wrote these things, probably not versus possibly will. Cynicism is always this, probably not. Probably not. I remember praying over a youth revival one time. We were going, we were praying for all these chairs. You know, there wasn't anybody in here, and we were just praying over chairs. And I thought, I'm so tired of going, probably not going to move this youth rally. Probably not going to move in this service today, right? You imagine you do this disillusionment and discouragement. You stand up here for nine years, right? And you're just like, maybe today, God, maybe today. And then after a while, you just go, what's the point, right? It ain't going to happen today, right? So you start to have this attitude of probably not. Probably not. Probably not today. Probably not. But I was praying for that youth rally. I'm spitting all over this. I'm pretty excited. It's <laughs> praying over that youth rally, and I thought, what if I start praying, possibly will, instead of probably not? Possibly will today. Possibly will. A possibly will prayer is a whole lot different than a probably not, but we operate out of probably not, right? We, we just, we, we, that's our worldview now. And it's, it's wrong, right? The early church, I can't see them going around, probably not, probably not. They were possibly will, right? A possibly will type of prayer. It's half empty versus half full. It's, it's this, it's, it's what if God doesn't versus what if God does. Now, when you read through the Gospels, would any of you label Jesus as a cynic? Would anybody say Jesus sure was cynical? No. Jesus wouldn't be labeled cynical, should we? We who bear His name as Christians, Christians should not be labeled as cynical. We should be people of hope. So the first thing that we have to do is I have to confess this attitude is sin. And it's been one of my attitudes, right? Can I just like, be honest with you? And probably yours too if you're honest with God. Everybody wants to pretend, church, just go ahead and pretend. You're perfect and right. But like if we really, if we really confess, we go, you know what? Yeah, that is, that's, a, that's an issue. I have to confess this as sin and repent. So we do that first. And then we come to hope. And here's what hope does. Hope sees the other side of the coin. Do you see my negative and have, do I have flaws for sure? You can be cynical of me and pick on those. And you can distrust your pastor and distrust other Christians in this church. You can see that side of the coin. 
Or you can flip it over and see the other side of the coin and start to see God's Spirit moving and doing something and He's still working on me, right, to make me what I ought to be, and you too, right? Hope sees the other side. Hope just says, I, I can live that way, but yuck, and I'm about tired of it, right? So it's just like all of a sudden, just, okay, flip the coin. Hope sees the other side. What is the opposite of cynicism and pessimism? It's belief. It's belief in the other. Belief in God. Belief in the Spirit. We stop believing, honestly. It's trust. It's trust in God. It's trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's faith. The opposite of cynicism and pessimism is expectancy. You, you come in here cynical, you're, never, you're not going to expect God to move in our service. And He won't. But you come in with expectancy of that Sunday school class or that Bible study or that ministry, right, or that, that BBS night. Like you, you come in, right, with expectancy and everything changes. The opposite of cynicism and pessimism is, I believe, hope. So do you find these things difficult? Sometimes in seasons they are. Do you find these things lacking in your life, in your weekly routine? Then you need hope. And guess what? For the next three weeks, I'm going to preach on it. I'm going to declare it and pray for me, right? Because the, the enemy would love for me to, to have a very pessimistic, cynical, skeptical morning before I get up here, so I can't right, do it in his strength, right? So I have to like operate too. Like I'm going to be battling. It's the first thing he'll do, right, is Monday morning is start to try to get me back in the rut. How do we overcome? How do we overcome the hope deficit? How do we overcome cynicism? First thing, pray. Pray about it. Pray unto God. Pray that God really would do His work and make a difference in our lives. Trust in God. How do we overcome cynicism? Start forgiving other people instead of distrusting them all the time. Show people some mercy for Christ's sake. How do we overcome cynicism? Start to look for Jesus. Instead of looking at all the negative in the world and the bad, you know, the news will show us all the bad. Start to look for, where is Christ in here? Where is Christ at work in my life? Where's the Spirit? Cynical people don't look for the Spirit. Spot the Spirit. That's a way to overcome cynicism. Today, I want to look for Jesus. Today, I want to spot the Spirit. I don't know what you're spotting. You're spotting the wrong things, right? We have hard hearts. I, I do. We, we have to say, God, change our heart. Be thankful. Start to develop that. See God's grace. Experience biblical hope. So today, I want to encourage you to do two things. Let go of paralyzing cynicism and pessimism and grasp powerful hope. Can we make that our prayer? God, I want to let go of paralyzing cynicism and pessimism. And Lord, I want to grasp Hope, biblical hope. It's not, I wish, I think, the world's definition of hope. So that's number one, the erosion of hope. Do you see it? I see it. Maybe it's just me in my life. I think you're honest. You say, yes, I know that. You know it. So let's talk about the power of hope. And let's look at the text. The power of hope. Let me give you a definition of hope. Hope is... Forward-looking faith. Hope is forward-looking faith. Hope is, to quote Tim Keller, a believed-in future. 
a life-shaping certainty of something that hasn't happened yet, but you know it will. John Piper says, Hope is a confident expectation and desire for good. Hope in God does not mean cross your fingers. It means, to use the words of William Carey, missionary, expect great things from God. So you see that hope is the horsepower of our souls. Amen? This is what hope is. This is the horsepower of our souls. It's this believed in future. Timothy Keller goes on to say this, You underestimate what really is the engine of your life. How you live now is completely determined by your believed in future. Hope is forward-looking faith. And it is powerful. Hope affects how we presently live. If I am hope deficient, it will show itself. It will manifest in my life. So, let go of cynicism. Grab hold of hope. Let me give you four texts that encourage us to let go of cynicism and grasp hope. And the first one is what we read together and what I read to start. A key text for today, Romans 15 and verse 13. Romans uses hope quite often. And we'll come to those in our series. Romans 15, 13, he says this, May the God of hope, and there is, He is a God of hope. May He fill you with all joy, not cynicism, that's not a fruit of the Spirit, and peace in believing, not doubting and distrusting, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound, overflow in hope. This text comes to me and to you in the Christian life and it says, let go of your pessimism, lay it down, right? There's hope for the hopeless, right? As we say, and, and come and abound in hope. He shows us these two things, that God inspires hope and God imparts hope. Those are the two eyes of this verse. God inspires hope because He is hope. And God imparts hope because it can abound in our lives. Right? We are to have a biblical hope. And we can, and it comes from God, and, and we just need to change our perspective. The second text is from Hebrews. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 6, sort of backwards towards the end. Hebrews chapter 6, look at verses 11 and 12. And then we're going to go to chapter 10. Hebrews 6, 11 and 12, the writer says... And we desire each of you should show the same earnestness to have, watch this, the full assurance of hope until the end. So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Go back to verse 11. He says this, we want you to show and to have that full assurance of hope. That's totally the opposite of cynicism and pessimism and skepticism, isn't it? Fully assured of hope. A hope in the future. A hope that will persevere. His prayer is, I want you to have this kind of full assurance of hope so that it will affect your Christian life and you won't grow lazy and unmotivated, but you'll be like the one, verse 12, who, who through the patience and your long-suffering and your endurance, you actually inherit the promise. You, you take hold of the promise. Go over to Hebrews 10, verses 22 through 23. Hebrews 10, 22 through 23, the writer encourages us again 
Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. He called it in chapter 6 a full assurance of hope. And now he says in chapter 10 with a full assurance of faith. Now remember one author said hope is forward-looking faith. He says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Hold to the confession of your hope, that full assurance of faith, that full assurance of hope, that confession of hope without wavering. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. I love that, that this text encourages us let go of cynicism and grasp a hold of your, your biblical hope. You have a full assurance of hope. You have a full assurance of faith and they're related. And you have a confident confession of hope. And it's in the future. Text number three. It's found in the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13. How many of you had 1 Corinthians 13 read over you at your wedding? I don't remember. <laughs> but I do remember that this Wednesday I'll be married to that lovely lady for 20 years. <laughs> brownie, brownie point, brownie point. Rome, uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Look at this. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things endures all things. Cynicism does not bear all things. Cynicism does not believe all things. Cynicism does not hope all things. Neither does skepticism and pessimism. Cynicism does not, it will not, endure all things. So right there in the love chapter, I found that, okay, now I wish you could study with me the clippings that I couldn't bring to the sermon that are on my study floor, right? That's just all up like... like Faith, hope, and love are so tied and so related that you wouldn't even believe it. Hope is forward-looking faith. And in many ways, hope and love, are they're, they're all just go and study those things. But here's what he says. This is how love acts. It bears all things. It believes all things. Love hopes all things, right? This, this verse in the love chapter screams to, to get rid of the root of skepticism and pessimism and cynicism. You need to hope all things. You need to believe all things about that person and about that situation. And then it lets you endure all things. An active love is full of hope. Love is trusting. Love is optimistic. Love is willing to endure hardship. Do you see that in this verse? It doesn't sound cynical. One writer says, Love trusts that the motives of action are pure. Love hopes that the motives of action are pure. And when the motives prove to be impure, love bears it with no resentment. Faith, hope, and love. So we see the God of hope inspires and imparts hope to us. Romans 15. We see Hebrews 6, this full assurance of hope we are to have, this full assurance of faith, this, this confession of hope. This is to be our lips. We see what hope does as it acts and expresses itself in love. Last verse, Ephesians chapter 1. Go over to Ephesians chapter 1. 
verse 12 and 18. You, you can go back and read the context. Many of you know it. Ephesians 1.12 talks about who we are in Christ. And he says, so that we, as Christians, who are the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of His glory. We trust in Christ. We put faith in Christ. We put our hope in Christ. And it is to the praise of His glory. Jump down to verse 18. When he prays for them, when he prays for the church, he prays this. I pray that having the eyes of your hearts enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which He's called you. I pray that you would know hope this morning. I pray that the eyes of my heart would would be open not to cynicism and skepticism, but to hope, to know the hope to which He has called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? Can I give you two points about this verse? Number one, we hope in Christ to the praise of His glory. That's why I'm to do it. That's why you're to do it today. We're to be people of hope to the praise of His glory. We're, we're to hope in Christ to the praise of His glory. If I'm not hoping, I'm not praising Him as fully as I could. Number one, we are to hope in Christ to the praise of His glory. Number two, we're to know the hope to which He has called you. We're to know it experientially. Know what is the hope. I pray that. We're to know the hope to which He has called us. And so that's why a series, that's why we need some messages on hope. At least I do, maybe just for me, so I can preach through them and get it into my soul. But perhaps for all of us, perhaps for those that are watching and those that will listen, maybe God will do a, a deeper work. Hope in Christ, no hope. Hope has a name. Jesus. Jesus. Is Jesus your hope? Is Jesus your hope? Know the gospel today that while we were dead in our sin, Christ died for us to give us hope, to give us a future. Right? He didn't just save us from the past and our sins, but you've got to believe too that Jesus is the hope for your future, that, that you are going somewhere, that, that you do have eternal life, that there is a place that's prepared for you. Hope forward-looking faith. So I hope that you'll study this topic more, that you'll come and join us. Two things. Number one, if your hope has eroded, start building it back today. If your hope has eroded, if you found that to be true in your life, then start building it back today. Use the scriptures. Use prayer. Start to show mercy and thankfulness. and Make the decision. If you see it's eroding... Build it back today. Hope in the Christian life, hope in your marriage, hope in your family, right? Hope in the future. Secondly, if you have a hope deficit, that deficiency, start increasing hope in your life this week. Listen to sermons about hope. Read texts about hope. Start to do the things that we need to do. We can, we can do this. Pray for it today. May the God of hope fill you with all hope. Right? And joy and power and the Holy Spirit believing that, that we might abound as God's people in hope. No longer be the depressed, miserable Christian. To know that we are of all people should be the most hopeful. So I think, as, as the Lord just kind of laid a lot of messages on my heart this week, one, I was thankful, right? It was just a season of God 
pouring out some, some truth that I need, but also for us, I think this series is going to help. So, let go of some attitudes, start grasping hope. In this series, I hope to do three things. And we may do some stuff on Wednesday night. Like I even start to, I want to look at attacking cynicism. I want to look at people in the Bible that are skeptical and cynical. Like Pilate, like Thomas, and there are others. So they can help us. But I want us to do these three things in the next three Sunday mornings. We're going to look at these topics. Number one, next Sunday we're going to look at the basis for hope. What's the foundation of our hope? What do you think it is? You might be right. What's the basis for hope? Number two, what are reasons for hope? What are some aspects of hope that the Bible gives us in our life that says here are reasons that we can be hopeful in this world in which we live? And then number three, that Sunday, I want us to look at the results of hope. What does hope produce in our life? Let's look from the Bible and what the Bible has to say about the basis of our hope, the reasons for our hope, and the results of our hope. And let's, let's show up with expectancy. Let's say, yeah, I realize the erosion around me, but I also realize that, that the power of faith, hope, and love in the Christian life can revolutionize me and can revolutionize a church and a people and can draw men and women and boys and girls to us as, as they see the, the move of the Spirit in us and among us. I pray that you would abound in hope. Let's pray. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.